This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. Yeah, IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. Want to bring IXL to your school? Learn more at IXL.com forward slash B. That's IXL.com forward slash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for FlexBlocks. Win time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and much more. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Yeah, make your flex time work for you. Visit MyFlexLearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's MyFlexLearning.com slash BE. On today's show, we're talking about data. We all collect it, we all talk about it, but how are we using it? Data scientist Dr. Joy Smithson and Jackson Public School District Education Leader Mrs. Latoya Blackshear talk with us about how they have harnessed the power of data to improve outcomes and so much more. That's up next on the EduTech Guy. You're listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm David Henderson. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. Yeah, thank you so much for grabbing the episode, downloading it, turning it on, however you're listening. It's like we a, appreciate it. It's like a carton of vegan coconut milk. Just grab it right off this thing and throw it in your cart. That's how we are. <laughs> vegan <laughs> coconut milk. And then you take it home and throw it in the trash. <laughs> that's, that's Please what don't you're... do that with this episode. <laughs> okay, let's change that. It's like a one-inch thick T-bone steak that you're not supposed to have. Okay, for those of you that don't eat... <laughs> that's right. We're going to cover all the bases. Yeah, listen, it's a bag of Skittles. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, don't forget to check us out on the web, www.edutechguys.com. You can also find us on social media. Just go out to Google, put in that Edutech Guys. We're there, at Edutech Guys everywhere. You'll find us staring back at you with some goofy emojicons. It is. uh, Emojicons. Is that right? Bitmojicons. Emojicons? Emojis. I don't know. They're just they're, they're cartoon <laughs> references of us. They're much they're much svelter, skinnier cartoon references. <laughs> that is a fact. That is a fact. It's amazing what an animated version of yourself. You, you know what you can do with that. It's completely different than the camera. The camera puts on you. Know, the camera puts on for me. The camera puts on three hundred pounds. Yes, <laughs> but it's funny. An emoji but, takes off three hundred yeah, pounds. Right. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff looks so skinny. I was like, why are their heads so big? Well, that's what happens when you have to. So <laughs> <laughs> what happens when you bit emoji yourself? You bit emoji yourself. <laughs> hey, listen, it's going to be a great uh, episode today. I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, talking about data, we always, you know, I'm. Honestly, I, I just that's one that just wears me out. We have so much of it floating around, you know, and and it's hard for our educators to actually go, you know, what do I do with all this? You know, I've got all this stuff, you know, you know, the third rat from the left, you know, you know sings Baroque opera at night at 2 a.m. <laughs> 
What is that going to mean in the classroom? Well, you got a rat in your classroom. That's what it means. Home <laughs> <laughs> maintenance. There's, there's that, data. What? I that's no your data. Idea. Hey, listen, we were running some data, and the cockroaches come out in the classroom between 145 and 155 every night. So Normally, I would promise that our show was on the rails at some it's point, but it's rails. never. We're, our show is never on the rails. It's on the rails during the interview. Well, that's true. That's a good point. That's the rest of the time, I think it's just like a game of tetherball. <laughs> we're just smacking it back and forth to see who gets to wrap the rope around the pole. I think that's all it is. It's radio. It's it's podcast tetherball is what it is. That's that is it. That's it. That's you tech guys. <laughs> podcast tetherball. Just smacking it back and forth until right. one of us misses it, and the other one just keeps hitting it. Oh, I got you now. <laughs> Gonna wrap that rope around that thing. You know, the, someone said to me the other day, I, one of my sysadmins, you know, kids, I, we're like, what are the rules to tether the ball? I, literally, you just hit the ball till you can knock it away from the person and wrap the rope around, <laughs> wrap it around the pole. First one to that wins. And then he said, boy, y'all really didn't have, y'all were really up for a hard time, up for fun back when your kids were in And I was like, yeah, I uh, guess we were. Uh, Listen, we we're Gen X. We didn't even the stick wasn't even in the ground when we were kids, man. It was, it was Somebody said to me then, "What did you guys do in high school?" I said, "You don't know what we did in high school." I said, "What we didn't do was sit around with the Atari twenty six hundred, blame his Pac Man forever." <laughs> <laughs> what games you got? I got I got Asteroids. I got Miss Pac Man. I got Pitfall. <laughs> I mean, you know. we all played combat. Yeah, and everybody knows this name. You know that's that right. sound. That's right. Blown in the cartridge, which is so funny. I saw a TikTok the other day, and it was somebody blowing into like a, a, a Nintendo cartridge or something. They're like, hey, do you remember these days? I'm like, listen. You, <laughs> I can take you that's back. That's a long time after we were all blown into our Atari cartridge. Let me tell you how we hooked Pong up with some screws to I'm, the back yeah, of the to television. To the back of the TV. <laughs> that's right. Let me remove the rabbit ears and plug in my Pong machine on the back <laughs> of the right. TV. That's right. I got two words for you don't know Sears and Roebuck. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we'll have a great interview coming your way right after this. Are you using Soundtrap for personal use, recording podcasts, making music, and more? More importantly, are you using Soundtrap in the classroom? Soundtrap for the classroom is amazing, allowing students the ability to create music, podcasts, audio for their projects, and so much more. Check out Soundtrap now at Soundtrap.com. Hey, welcome back to the EduTech Guys. We're really excited to have our next guest on the show. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful conversation. It's it's everything that we we uh, deal with every day in school, but some of us don't know how to use it. And this yeah. is a, this is a great time to learn how we can use it for student outcomes. So we're going to let our guests tell us who they are and what they do, where they're from, and all that kind of good stuff. So here we go. Latoya, I'm going to let you go first. I'm going to look lovely, Latoya. <laughs> Well, I was going to bounce off joy. So my name is Latoya Blackshear. <laughs> um, I currently work for Jackson Public School as a director of planning and evaluation. Um, I'm currently in around about my fourth or fifth year in this role. Um, since then, I was a former principal um, at Clausell Elementary for three years. And prior to that, I worked for a little bit for Mississippi Department of Education. 
Well, and I'm Joy, and I am the data scientist at School Status, and I've been with the company for eight years, be eight years next month, basically. Um, and I uh, basically, I know Latoya through School Status. So she and I have been working really closely together, um, really since she's been in her current role, primarily. Um, and so what School Status does is we're basically a communication solution and we are um, we're built on or layered on a foundation of student data. So we really marry student data and communication to really promote authentic engagement. So we have a um, solution where, you know, you can do school blasts or district blasts, but we really, we feel like our sweet spot is on one-to-one -one parent teacher communication. So, and then that data piece just makes it informed. So, yeah. So talk a little bit about how that particular piece works. How, what data are you using in order to help facilitate that one-to-one -one parent teacher communication? Yeah, so um, we use the student information system as the source of truth. So that's where the district, you know, that's where they house kind of their course schedules, the student ID, everything. It kind of revolves around that student ID being matched. So currently enrolled students, we use that as our source of truth. And so a lot of the information is in the student information system, but that's not accessible to many people. That's usually in a silo. Then you have your benchmark data, yet siloed again, your state assessment data, yet siloed again, your ACT data or um, SAT data, siloed again. Um, let's see, what else, Latoya, am I missing? So we, we just take all this data and basically, not only do we put it in one platform, but it's scoped to the user. So if you're a teacher, it's focused on your course schedule um, and you can quickly pull up, we call it a student card, but it's just a little card and it's got the student picture and details about the student, his or her birthday um, and gender, um, race, grade. And then you can see their course schedule and you can kind of click and see their history, past grades, past schedules, historical assessment data, and so that way a teacher can kind of see, you know, maybe they're looking at aggregate data on attendance and they notice, you know, wow, Joy all of a sudden has started missing a lot of school. And they can click on that student card, click an icon, make a call, their phone number's masked, um, it records the call. Latoya as an admit administrator can go back and listen to that later um, if there's any dispute or a question about that. So um, that's a very long-winded <laughs> response to your question, but I hope that that adds some clarity to, to what we're using. It does. I, I'm, I'm a little curious um, from Latoya's perspective, what does, what, what Joy just shared, what does that look like practically from a practical standpoint? How are you guys actually using it in the trenches? Yeah. So in the trenches, it, it's, I mean, for all, for various reasons. Like she said, if we wanted to communicate to our parents, we simply can send out a text. You know, we are in the technology world today. Most people do not just answer the phone. Hello. We now just kind of um, 
text message, send text message. Mm-hmm. And we can reach parents uh, quicker that way because they'll look at that text. They have to watch and respond back and forth. And it's a two way communication. As Joy stated, it masks our phone numbers. So um, we're not they're not really getting our our personal cell numbers or whatever, wherever we're calling from. We can call from the computer. It can be done from the phone, the desk phone or your cell phone. So any one of those things. So we like to, on a daily basis, we call uh, just for uh, SEL, you know, social emotion. Hey, we just wanted to let you know the toy is doing well, or we want to keep you updated about your academics, or um, we have a parent meeting tonight. So anything to that nature, because it's so important. You know, research says the more we involve parents, the better um, our students perform in school. So that's kind of the, the outreach side of it. But we also use it um, for our data as well. As Joy stated, it houses all of our data where I would have to go in a drawer or to another system and get this data or mm. over here and get this data. It takes from our SAS system and we partnered, School Status has partnered with a number of our partners where that, that data has imported to the system. So mm-hmm. I go to my test and I can see every data point that we've used. And we use that to to track our data, to see the trends. How are we performing? What extra professional development do we need to offer for the the teacher to ensure we get the student outcomes that we're looking for? Um, What are some of the students' strengths, weaknesses? We look at learning loss. I was proficient on this exam, and then the next exam I may have dropped or you know, so we look at it for various re- reasons, enrichment, uh, additional support for the student, because what we're trying to definitely do is be more proactive now. So let's get a little more in depth for our educators listening to this podcast. Um, when we talk about um, these cards, uh, a dashboard, maybe you know, for the for each student, we're talking about not just scores and ACT scores and, you know, we're talking in benchmarks. We're probably, are we talking about IEPs and 504s and RTI and all that kind of good stuff we can. So now a teacher has the ability to see across the board as do the administrators um, exactly how a student is, is, is developing and where they're having weaknesses and strengths. Um, it, it, how has that um, affected the way the administrators do their jobs and how's that affected the way that um, the teachers are doing their jobs? It seems like that would be a really cool piece to have, like all this information right at your fingertips. So for, for us in there, it does, we use it as a part of our RTI process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we're working on that information, we can actually see uh, again, what they've made on specific uh, assessments or something like that. Uh, it does kind of tell us there uh, if this student is an IEP student. Now, it does not get to the granular of, of identifying uh, specific standards or something like that. Mm-hmm. But we can um, look at all of the assessments either. And I was going to say... Um, horizontal but it's actually vertical so it'll show my name uh several times i'm color coded based upon my level so if i fall into a level one you know i may be red so it it definitely but we also use it for attendance as well and that's a strong piece as well if i'm absent um maybe i'm absent every monday 
<laughs> or every Tuesday or something like that, I can see the trends in which uh, the student is absent and how she he or she is performing. So it's just not academic. It tells, uh, paints a whole picture for us, looking at the whole child, and that's just very important. The other part we like about it is when we meet with teachers to discuss all of the data, whether it's attendance, whether it's behavior infractions, because it, it reports all that as well, um, the teacher can make notes within the system on a little note card. So if I'm having trouble, every teacher that has that student can also view that information. So you see how powerful that is when we go in oh, to yeah. discuss the whole child and mm-hmm. what we could do uh, and what type of services this, this, this scholar may need. It's just, it's, it's nice. It's a very nice system. We, we definitely enjoy it. So this might be a joy question, but <clears throat> when you were putting this together, using the data, let's talk about um, early responses to issues you see happening and, and, you know, and predicting outcomes and, you know, looking at it that way, is that kind of the idea? I know, you know, how much data do you have to collect <laughs> before you can get to that point where you can predict outcomes and maybe, you know, create an intervention or, or you know, predict an early response to something you see coming through that data? Okay, that's a really good question. So um, I guess I'm going to answer it in kind of two parts. And the first would be that I would say there's no silver bullet in education, right? Um, So I'm kind of quoting our CEO right now, but uh, we all kind of want there to be this like panacea, this one shot solution. And we don't, we definitely do not claim to be that or to know what that is. Um, But the second part I would say to that is that We do have a guide um, based on policy that currently exists. So, and what I mean by that is, um, and I'm going to kind of tack on to what Latoya was just describing, but um, just take, for example, the state accountability model. So all public education uh, institutions are kind of graded on um, the state's policy for, you know, our proficient is our students meeting proficiency standards by subject, for example, and by grade. Um, do we have high quality teachers in the district, for example? So um, Latoya maybe spent, I don't want to put in words into your mouth, Latoya, but hours uh, was combining these maybe Excel sheets, you know, to try and estimate using the benchmark, for example, where might students land based on the current accountability model. Um, using the information that they have on hand to try and estimate what, how many points will we get for our students' achievement? How many points will we get for their progress from this last state to the current one? Um, And then that's something that they might have asked principals to do, but principals are also juggling all these different hats. So something that school status does is kind of, we have that aggregate level view where someone in Latoya's position can kind of see at a bird's eye view, 40% were proficient in ELA. Oh, but wait a minute, by third graders, that number drops dramatically. So we've got a problem right here. But then she can also filter by school and then have a discussion with teachers. And the beauty of school status, I was talking earlier about it being scope. No longer is she having to email a spreadsheet, which is incredibly dangerous, you know, I think on a recent episode you guys had, you were talking about the cybersecurity issues. Exactly. So that's a very real thing. So 
school status, you have to have a password to log in, um, a two-factor authentication on top of that. And then you're only going to see data for your students. So then Latoya can have a conversation with a principal who can then have a conversation with a teacher and no data is getting exposed. They can all click on the same spot on the interface and see what they need to see. So um, I don't know. In that way, that's one way that I've seen things shift over the past five years with how that might have changed, how the relationship with teachers and admins and how they operate with data. So and, and speaking of, of shifting, I'm going to kind of shift the conversation a little bit, kind of back to one of the things that LaToya mentioned, taking this data and, and using the aggregate data to apply that to PD. I think that is such an important piece mm-hmm. that, uh, frankly, I think a lot of folks who uh, use various dashboards or they're doing a lot of the data analysis, they uh, a, a lot of folks approach that kind of almost exclusively to the student side of things, you know, what can we do, you know, for the students, which is not a bad thing, but by the same token, a lot of times from my experience, uh, the educators themselves are sort of left out of that loop. There's not an emphasis on what can we do for our educators to help our students. So I'd like Latoya to talk a little bit about how you take that data and modify or, or uh, maybe uh, target that professional development to help teachers in those areas that, that you're looking for some help, some improvement. So as uh, Joy stated, we did, we spent countless of hours building up what we call a benchmark tracker. Um, I think I, mm-hmm. at that point, I presented the idea to Melissa um, at school status and she connected me to Joy. And it was truly a blessing because um, we would take the benchmark assessments. Now we no longer have to do that is in school status. So when we um, filter it based upon what we need. So let's say for instance, I'm looking at my third graders or let's just go up a little bit and say our fifth graders. So I'm looking at the fifth grader, fifth grade students across the district and our district, we're a little bit over about 20,000, right at about 20,000 students. So we have um, 33 elementary schools, uh, 32 that actually goes up to, uh, that are K, pre-K to five. So with that being said, as a bird's eye view, I can look at all of our fifth graders within a district and I can drill it down and we take that data and look at it by school. So which school needs professional development? And it may be on fifth grade math. Uh, based upon how many students uh, were proficient. We look at how many students are growing. Our model is built on making sure that we grow all of our students. So it's not that we're just looking at our high performers. We're not just looking at our um, uh, lowest performing students or, you know, we're growing all of our students. So we're looking at when we go into our, we call our meetings, uh, focus instructional team meetings. They're fit. We're going in and we haven't fit you know, around data. So when we go in, we're saying, okay, which teachers need additional support and knowing uh, how to move students towards proficiency or who needs additional support on maintaining those students that are high performance and are growing our students that are bottom 25. So 
we start there looking at who needs what based upon where they are. Um, after we determine that, we then go down into weeds of it. Who are those, uh, what are the standards that they need um, and all of those things. So we use it like that. But more importantly, I like too, um, that I did mention earlier is a subgroup. We are now able to filter it by our subgroup population. So not only are we looking at Latoya, who's proficient, we're looking at our uh, Caucasian. We're looking at uh, Hispanic, Spanish, African-American, uh, black males, you know, white females. So we can really determine who needs that additional support. So we're looking at how can we better support students and how can we support those teachers that are so needed? You know, we're coming out of a midst of pandemic, you know. We're trying to figure out how can we support everybody. So we use a program like that in various different ways. So I want to go even back farther. I want to touch okay. back again on the uh, the communication element because that's that's a really big deal. And we learned that during the pandemic, did we not? The hard way sometimes. <laughs> so let's talk about. I I know that you do uh, texting. You can do phone calls. Um, do you do video chat? I think you can do video chat if I remember and my research correctly. And emailing. Email. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about which one. So this is a big one we talk about a lot. And you said it at the first texting is definitely a deal. Uh, We all know that social media is the best way to get out most of our information for our kids. But when you're getting down to that, really, those really hard uh, conversations you have to have with parents sometimes, does the video chat and the actual voice, which one works better? Like for us on this on this podcast, we like to see your faces. You know, it makes it Mm -hmm. easier to have this conversation. So, Latoya, what do you think works best for y'all? when uh, you're having that that conversation with the teacher and a parent? I would say definitely uh, the personal one-on-one. We take it back the old school way. Yeah. So being able to talk to you, being able to see you, because sometimes we can misinterpret a text. We can mm-hmm. misinterpret an email, you mm-hmm. know, but if I can sit there and have a face and know that I'm serious, I'm stern, but I'm still smiling at it and it's with love, I can win that parent over. So for us, we still encourage the personal one-on-one phone calls, being able to see your face. So uh, either one works best for us, the video chat or the personal phone call. But we mostly, mostly utilize that personal uh, phone call, contacting our parents and, and speaking with them. But we also allow our parents to tell us what's your best mode of communication. Nice. And one thing with in-school status, you can mark that. You know, when I get ready to send out a message mm-hmm. uh, and I ask Latoya, what's your best mode of communication? You say, well, you can email me. We start. We start that person. Um, I want you to contact mom or you contact dad. We can put a star there indicating who they want to be contacted. And we also can write notes of who, you know, how they would like to be contacted. But phone call is definitely mm-hmm. us. It takes, we like the personal touch. And we try to promote here the promo, uh, personal touch. But sometimes, I have to be honest, um, with the day and age we are, we'll text in a minute and they put it down. And parents see it and then they move on. So sometimes that personal conversation is just a whole lot better for us. We've seen better results from that. Are there any features in the piece that allow the parents to see some of that data that you're talking about? Sometimes when you call their kids and say, listen, we've been noticing that 
we've had a attendance problem or we've got the test scores in the classroom or, you know, they're not turning in work. Um, what's the parent, is there a parent interface and, and what, it, what is it like, or, or will it be there or is it there? That, that's a question we'd like to ask for our, our educators. There's not currently a parent interface, um, but I will say this, um, we, to talk with an educator, you do not have to download an app. There is no barrier. It is, if you have a phone and it does not have to be a smartphone, you can communicate via school status. Sure. Um, but to, to answer more directly in terms of, um, particularly when you're on that, uh, like a phone, a video conference, it's mm-hmm. literally, you can just click a button and share your screen um, nice. so that you can show that parent, like, look, uh, like Latoya is saying, it ha- even has like a little bar graph per student, you know, like every Friday, <laughs> it just seems like that's when you're missing. Um, and so, and you can kind of see, okay, relative to the rest of my classroom, we're not having that problem, you know, um, but like seeing I guess, um, um, I was, was, I like literally pictured it in my mind, like how that has changed for the parent, because it's so isolating. Like the school really is kind of like a black box. Like think about how many, how long was it when you were in elementary school and how much have things changed? So mm-hmm. the ability to just see like, what does proficiency even mean? Those are terms that we know in education, a parent doesn't know that. So being able to kind of see, okay, this is what I'm talking about when I'm referencing a scale score. Here's the benchmark. It's reading, you know, them being able. So um, I was thinking about in response to that question about what's more beneficial, that Zoom or that conference call or that, um, you know, having a video conference or a text. In all these different situations, there's kind of these different benefits. But yeah, I think that particularly when you're talking about really sensitive information, um, trying to have that video conference and that phone conversation so that like Latoya said, you can feel that emotion because at the end of the day, it really is about relationships. That's mm-hmm. you know, you're most likely to be vulnerable with and express truly what's happening or what you're struggling with when you feel like you can be safely vulnerable. And that's usually going to happen with a little bit lengthier of a conversation. You can't always get that through a text. Um, sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I also, and I was going to add too the one thing we do mm-hmm. like when we do utilize the video chat, we also utilize that for our parent teacher conference as well. That has okay. really changed. Sure. You know, in the past, parent teacher conference, you come in, we sit down, we talk. Um, now, again, if our parents um, are unable to really physically make it, we can conduct a parent teacher conference mm-hmm. via the video chat. So, I mean, it's really evolved um, and we just really kind of embrace it. We have to embrace technology and just not be afraid to, be afraid to utilize it. And that's what we've done differently and the pandemic has forced us to do, which is a great, which is a great thing anyway, though. Well, and I think it's so vital, you know, we've, we've talked about it and, and in some ways kind of danced around, but uh, and it was mentioned earlier, and I apologize, I can't remember who who mentioned it specifically, but one of the things that was brought up was that, you know, this, first of all, you're, you're for lack of a better description, you're kind of behind, you're, you're behind a wall, right? Like you said, uh, Latoya said, um, you know, we don't have to give out our personal numbers in order to make these contacts. 
but also similar to what we've been talking with, you have all of these different ways to reach out to the parents, the guardians, you know, just like we talk about, uh, you know, uh, uh, diversified and, and differential instruction for the students, you know, parents need that for themselves to be able to communicate back with the school. And as we have talked about here, many times it, it depends on what that communication is. You know, do I need to do a video call to say, Hey, we've got, you know, I don't know, whatever parent teacher conferences tonight. No, that doesn't have to be a video call. We can send out a text and there it goes, you know, uh, or in some cases, you know, here's a quick text or here's a quick phone call that could be followed up with a video call one-on-one if that's what the you know educator and the parent decide they need to do. And you're not having to jump from this particular application to that particular application to another particular application, right? It's all coming from this one source, which frankly is just, it's going to, I would think anyway, take off so much of the, 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 the stress of trying to uh, kind of organize those types of communications. And I, and I think we also would be remiss if we didn't um, mention the other part that administrators so love about school status as well is the evaluation piece. That's actually how school status was uh, introduced to us, oh, really? honestly. Okay. Okay. And then okay. it kind of evolved, evolved into the other things. But we like the fact that we can go in and I can do a teacher observation and mm-hmm. um put the input, the uh, evaluation within that platform, send an email to you of my comments, my findings. And then the teacher can respond, make it a two-way conversation um, when I'm discussing areas of improvement or your glows and grows, as we should say. Mm-hmm. Um, so actually that's pretty much how it was introduced to us was as a uh, teacher evaluation process. And we like the fact that the school status has worked with us to uh, take the Mississippi Department of Education rubric and put it into the system. So it's there. We can rate at the click of a button through school status, send that feedback, that information to that teacher. The teacher opens it up via the email or log into their account, um, get the information, and we can just have a conversation. In regards well, right, to it. So I just right lied. there, all of our listeners just went school status. That's right. All, all the Every administrator out there just went, hey, go try to get to this real quick. Yeah, that's and that's a that's a big sell. So one last question here. Um the uh the adoption process, how did it go? Because that's gonna be, you know, you've worked with teachers for years, and so you know how well what, what pity are you gonna give me? How hard is it gonna be for me to, to you know adopt this and use this with fidelity and you know, blah blah blah. How was that? How, how was the actual rollout for everything? So I have to be honest, with any uh platform program you bring in, it's going to be a challenge because sure. they probably most teachers. And I don't care where I've been and, and, and the districts that I've actually had the opportunity and pleasure of traveling into. Teachers sometimes believe this is just one thing that this show too will pass. Something else will come along. Um, but what, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, so what we end up doing is we, we hung in there. We, we kind of pushed, I would say, implemented it slow and steady. Uh, we did we did the evaluation first, and then we rolled out the next 
count next six to 12 months was the uh, communication piece. Now everyone is on board. And that only that happened because of consistent follow up training. We have a person that has been solely assigned to our district. So without a drop of the hat, they come in, he scheduled, he comes in and provides training. So I would honestly say it took us about two years to get where we are right now. I would say we are full fledged. We're rolling real nice. You know, I, I checked evaluations. Our evaluations are due to MDE uh, June 30th. And today we went through um, and MDE requires the minimum, the minimum of two informal, one formal. Um, but our principles, we believe here, our philosophy at Jackson Public Schools is the more we uh, observe and evaluate and provide feedback, the better that teacher becomes. So now they have really, they have really accepted the system. We have plenty of observations and feedback in there. Um, the communication is the key because around, the, around about the end of the year of every year, we offer a prize to our teacher. Who has the best feed, uh, communication out there, the most? Who's communicating to their parents and enticing them and bringing them in and making sure that they're actively involved, they're engaged in our activities and in their, their um students of their children's lives. So I would honestly say it took us two years to get a smooth, get it actively going. And then yeah. every year we provide training. So that every year, at the beginning of the year, we provide a new teacher and then we do a refresher for anybody that we have yet to get really bought into this thing we're doing. That's beautiful. And that's the way to do it. You know, take your time, do it right. So uh, I want to ask one more thing from both of you. Uh, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind sharing your information? If so, our listeners wanted to get in touch with you or steal your ideas or, you know, ask you about this process and, and everything that goes along with school status and the way that you're using it. Um, but, but if you wouldn't mind sharing Twitter, email, whatever you want to share. I'm available at joy at schoolstatus.com and you can find me on LinkedIn I think that I exist on Twitter, but I follow like Olympic runners. It's not helpful at all. So it's not useful in this world. Um, so yeah. And then um, in emailing me like, yeah, help at schoolstatus.com too. If you have questions about, you know, um, want to get in touch with, you know, a demo or anything like that, we can hook you up. Um so yeah, LinkedIn is probably the best way professionally to to reach me. Awesome. And I would say professionally the best way. I'm not as LinkedIn and hooked up yes yet either. Uh, so I'll probably say the best way would be at uh, my email address is L Blackshear. Um, I tell people Black Crayon Sheer Scissors Blackshear. Uh, S H E A R at Jackson K twelve Um. And I'm here anytime. Definitely appreciate it. Don't mind helping because uh, Joy and her uh, team know I'll call at any point. Um, the last <laughs> little plug I definitely want to put in is the, the new feature that we added this year was a dashboard. Um, we take benchmark assessments real quick. We take benchmark assessments three times a year. And we're wanting to know if this was, if our benchmark assessment was a real thing, was our real 
uh, MDE assessment. How would we fare? What would be our impact data? You know, we have school um, ratings, accountability rating. You can be an A school, B school. So uh, Joy and her team has uh, built a dashboard that helps us to determine where we would be if this was a real thing. So when we take our state assessment, we're not surprised. So we like that as well. But at any point in time, definitely can be reached. Don't mind assisting. Again, I call and ask, uh, join her team, 5,000 questions. So I don't mind anybody asking me the same. That was a great encore, uh, Latoya. Uh, and uh, Joy, thank you very much for coming on the show. We hope you had a great time. Thank you. We did very much. Thank, thank you. you. Hey, thank you so much to Dr. Joy Smithson and Latoya Blackshear for joining us today, talking about school status and how Jackson, Mississippi School District is using school status for communication, for data analysis, for helping with their PD. Evaluation. For, I mean, yeah. holy cow. Well, you know, it's really interesting. I I love it when a school district finds the right piece, the right tool, the right service service, the right piece, and, and school status seems to be that one for for Jackson, Mississippi and other schools, and um, then they use it with fidelity. You know, we yeah. like to use that word fidelity. You know, that's an educator thing. Are you using it with fidelity? Well, guess what? They're using school status with fidelity. Yeah. It definitely and, sounds like. You know, and, 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 and as Joy said, I mean, there's no silver bullet. I, I get that, but... Dang. <laughs> yeah, we're this, is, close. this is pretty decently close. I yeah, mean, how at, least, at least when it close. comes to at least when it comes to, you know, data aggregation and communication and evaluation. I mean, yeah, it sounds like it anyway. Very impressive. Hey, if you got some questions, you heard it at the end of the interview. You can yeah. get in touch with them or just check out school status. Just look it up on Google. You'll find their website. Lots of helpful information there. Do your research. Find out if it's a right fit for you. Yeah. I feel like I'm a commercial guy. All this Every time. time you say fidelity, all I think of is high fidelity. High fidelity. Heard it from a friend who... Oh, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Come on, keep singing. No. <laughs> Y'all don't want that, man. <laughs> hey, listen, don't forget to check us out on the web and uh, follow us on social media. We post a lot of stuff on social media. Follow our Twitter account. We we follow hundreds, I would even dare to say thousands, thousands of educators would, yeah, on, yeah. on Twitter. And uh, so we repost what we think you would like to see in case you're missing it and you can find you some folks out there i've noticed that linkedin is becoming real popular again it really is um and, I, and I'm, I'm not sure why i mean there's nothing wrong with linkedin I, it's just becoming real popular i don't know what's going to happen with twitter you know i mean you know it's it's it, now it's you know been a, a month it has a new boss and so you know a new owner excuse me new owner yeah, it could be painting the whole thing blue for all we know. <laughs> oh, wait, it's already blue. could be painting the whole thing green for all we know. Paint so. it, paint it, paint it uh, Tesla red. Tesla red. Wouldn't it be funny if it was called Tesla Witter? Wit, twit? <laughs> Tesla. Oh, no, I what? got it. It's going to be called Twesla. <laughs> Twesliter. Uh, that sounds like the off-brand of a licorice company. <laughs> Twesla? Twesla. Hey, what you eating? I'm, 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 I'm Mr. Twesla. <laughs> Twesla in my mouth. <laughs> That's a mouthful of, of, of <laughs> Twesla. Uh, and there it is, right off the rails, right Boo! off the cliff. <laughs> that, though, is why you tune in. That's right. And you better stay here. We're coming to your house. We're getting the mystery machine right now. That's right. Hopping in. Every move you make. Okay, Sting. Oh, the police. Every breath. Shh. Anyway, hey. <laughs> 
<laughs> hey, listen, we had a great show today. I hope we you are enjoyed 12. it. We're 12. We're 12 years old. Yeah. Hey, please write us and tell us how silly we are. We'd love to hear from you. Hey, I'm Jeff Madlock. <laughs> I'm David Henderson. We'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the EduTech Guys. EduTechGuys.com. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But do they actually do all those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master's schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com forward slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com forward slash BE. Do you want to save time on prep work? Increase achievement for all student populations? Reliably meet tier one standards? You, you can, can do, do it, it all, all. But don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com forward slash BE.